0: Oh my gosh! Sorry, Dame Lillard just hit a big shot. Um, <laughs> it, it was and one three with just a, yeah a Dame shot.
1: Uh, okay, I think we have our cold open. <laughs> <right?
0: laughs> Excellent.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Basket. Bubble, the podcast about the NBA and life inside the Walt Disney World bubble. My name is Matthew Moore, and I am joined as always by my beloved co-host, Bodie. Bodie, how are you doing this evening?
0: I am doing well, Matthew. I have a question for
1: you. All right, let's hear it. Do you like fans? Are we talking like sports fans or are we talking about ceiling fans?
0: Well, according to the NHL, it's both. I don't know if you saw that tweet today. I didn't. But they said thanks to the fans, and then they put four big fans in the stands at their hockey games today
1: (laughs) oh that's fantastic only in canada
0: yeah only in canada
1: but no
0: uh, actual fans do you do you like fans do you miss fans
1: i don't i don't necessarily miss fans uh i think i have actually kind of enjoyed the camera angles that we've gotten I, i think having the Uh, the trolley that kind of sits on the opposite side that we see uh, having the mobile cam and the robotic cam has made the viewing of instant replay a whole lot better. I will say that
0: you're right. The innovation that they've done is has been very impressive. So the reason I ask this is I'm watching the final round of the PGA championship instead of watching basketball, preparing for our basketball podcast. And I'm realizing that there are times that I really miss the fans during this golf tournament. And and it's not the, the big cheers, the big roars, like when tiger makes a putt or something, it's these, the smaller moments, like when a player who's five shots off the lead birdies the 16th hole. And it's, I mean, it means a lot to the player because he probably just gained himself like $20,000, but (laughs) But it means, it doesn't mean a lot to the fans other than they're just watching a player do something well. And you'll see that they'll just, they'll cheer. It'll be a very warm applause and cheer for the for the player. And then the 18th hole, doesn't matter who the player is. Once they put in that final putt, it's like the whole crowd is welcome, welcoming them home, like welcoming soldiers home after a war or something like that. It's like, You went out, you served, you played for our entertainment, and we're thanking you for coming back. Hmm. And I realized I miss the fans in golf because they're pro player. They're just, they're optimistic. They are benevolent. Hmm. They, They want the players to be the best that they can. They just want competition and success. And going to the NBA, that is not the case when you watch an NBA game, <laughs> which is fine. I mean, I am the first one to say that whenever the Warriors were playing a basketball game the last four years, I was rooting hard against them. But it, it makes for a more not hateful experience, but just more tense, like more like when you when you get tense and feel it on the shoulders. Whereas golf, it's just like, this is a lot of fun.
1: Do you think that it's a team sport versus individual sport thing? Because I imagine that's how tennis feels, or I imagine that's how a swim meet would feel, especially when I think of like Olympic swim meets or Olympic gymnastic events, those sorts of things, that you're just excited that people are really good at things. Yeah,
0: you're right. And I did think of tennis earlier when I was watching golf. It, it It's the same thing. You see It it does. I mean, obviously, everybody wants like Federer and Nadal to win when they're playing somebody that nobody's ever heard of because they want them to keep going. But if that person loses, if that top guy loses, everybody's really excited for the for the little guy. Yeah, Uh, they're excited no matter what. If if there's a great rally, everybody's just excited that they got to see a great rally. But yeah, you, you might be right, individual versus team sport, but. I don't know. I kind of want the team sports to do that now. Because it's just, this is a very, I miss the pleasure of just fans cheering on these golfers. And I don't miss the fans in the NBA right now.
1: Yeah. Uh, Well, it's a good thing that you are not Mark Cuban because I think he misses the fans because he misses his money.
0: Oh, poor Mark Cuban. (laughs) Don't, he's filming Shark Tank in a bubble. So. (laughs) That's He's okay.
1: That's true. All right. Well, now that we've had that wonderful aside to start with, we are going to actually start with the news. So first thing first, we've got some injuries and all of these injuries that we're talking about here. We have Ben Simmons from the Philadelphia 76ers had a left knee injury and has left the bubble to go have surgery on that. Jonathan Isaac from the Orlando Magic has torn his ACL. He has had a successful surgery and is out indefinitely. Uh, I imagine a lot of that depends on how far the Magic make it into the playoffs, which is to say he is out for the rest of the season. Jaron Jackson Jr. for the Memphis Grizzlies has torn his meniscus and is out for the season. And tonight, as we are recording on Sunday, August 9th at about 7.30 Central Time, Joel Embiid just left the game that he's playing in early. Uh, No confirmation yet as to what the injury is. But Bodie, you and I were talking about right before we hit record that these injuries are almost kind of expected when we think about the sorts of injuries these players are having. These are soft tissue injuries. These are the kind of things that happen when players don't play sports for four months and then go right back at it like nothing happened in between those four months.
0: You're right. And thankfully, we haven't had more of these with how competitive these games have been. And a lot of these players have come out Going as hard as they can right away. Jamal Murray played Saturday, his first game, and he played thirty-nine minutes in a I think it was a double overtime game. He was only supposed to play twenty-two. And if he had come come away with an injury, nobody would have been shocked.
1: Yeah, and it's interesting too. We see when we look at the Boston Celtics, Kimball Walker, arguably one of their best players on their team, has had serious minute restrictions. Obviously, Zion Williamson has had minute restrictions. Other players across the league, when we look at Kawhi Leonard, we look at LeBron James, they're not necessarily on restricted minutes, but they are certainly leaning into that load management element of playing. That a lot of these players are reserving themselves to play when it really counts in the playoffs. And I wonder if part of that too is. Happening on the ownership level or the general manager level to say, "Hey, let's not hurt the cream of the crop and our best players here in this bubble league. These in these seating games that don't necessarily move teams like the Celtics or the Lakers or the Clippers up or down in a seating spot necessarily. And
0: if it if this has been a normal season, and and we would be like in early April." right now if this was a normal year you would see these guys sitting these games out or playing 20 minutes or something just to stay sort of fresh but they it was a weird mix with the bubble having to get prepared for the playoffs after having been off for so long but also try to keep your keep your body safe keep your keep your players safe it's I'm not going to say anybody has done wrong by their players or the players have done wrong in trying to keep themselves healthy. This is just, as every commercial has told us, we are living in unprecedented times. (laughs) And you're going to have mistakes that happen.
1: Bodhi, do you think that there's going to be any players who... Might be the next to fall. I don't want to prognosticate a terrible injury upon Chris Paul or anybody, but do you think that there is someone who we ought to be a lot more careful with that uh, has kind of been playing it hard and fast?
0: Any specifics I don't have, but I would say keep an eye out for any players that have had previous injuries. Sort of like LeBron sat out with a sore groin the other day. That's the injury that he had. Last year, that kept him out for a while. Uh, just keep an eye out for things like that. Or in the playoffs, if we see certain players have to really ramp up their minutes, if like all of a sudden Giannis had to play 40 minutes in multiple playoff games because the Bucks were somehow being tested by the Magic in the first round, just things like that are what could lead to more injuries. So an interesting thing that has come out of this is on the fashion front, and that is that all the coaches have been wearing polo shirts, and I'm assuming some kind of casual dress pant. I have not paid much attention to that part of their outfit. But the thinking behind this was multiple weeks or months down in a bubble, trying to do your dry cleaning is probably kind of difficult, plus it's humid in Orlando, and just make it easy on people. But now there is a cohort of coaches that are trying to make the change permanent. And that next year, everybody would be wearing polos. And something I learned is that every few years, the, I'm guessing it's the coaches union or the coaches association, whatever exactly they call it, they vote on this, they vote on what they wear. And it's not something the league mandates, it's something the coaches choose. And for as long as I can remember, coaches have been wearing suits on the sidelines.
1: And that's not even just NBA. I mean, that's kind of been the standard when we look at college basketball, even high school basketball, that the coaches kind of take a a different approach to their fashion as coach compared to baseball and compared to football that it's it's almost like the standard for a coach to wear a suit.
0: Yes, even hockey, when they wear their suits, they look more like Russian mob figures. (laughs) But international basketball, at least in the Olympics and things like that, they do wear polos. And so that's the one level of basketball that I know of where they are dressing like they are in the bubble. So
1: do you imagine that this is going to be a thing where uh, I I wonder if who has been most concerned with why the coaches wear the suits? Do you think that it's been a uh, standard that is put on the coaches? Do you think it's something that the coaches enjoy? I know when we look at the Celtics, Brad Stevens kind of pushes back against this in so much that he wears sneakers with his suits when he wears suits and so I wonder if if this is going to change the way that coaches across the board will start to dress is this an impetus to make that change or do you think that you know the the NBA didn't want to pay for a dry cleaning service to pop up inside the bubble as well?
0: I think it was really just the convenience of what the bubble was going to be like. I know from my personal experience, I hate polos, but if I had to spend months in a bubble, I think I would rather put on a polo every day than rather than trying to have enough ties and shirts and suits that I didn't look like I was wearing the same thing over and over and over again. But I don't think we're going to see changes come next season or whenever we get back to normal basketball we're in a bubble again next year we'll see but i think suits are going to prevail it just it's a visual league and mm. suits are more visually appealing when done well
1: so when we look back on the week that was in seeding games first game i want to look at is the boston celtics versus the miami heat the miami heat won that game 112 to 106 Leading scorer, best player of that game for the Heat was Bam Adebayo with 21 points and 12 rebounds. Again, Boston's defense has been pretty lackluster. They really had a hard time clicking as far as defense goes. And this was a Miami Heat team that did not have Jimmy Butler playing either. And so if you are a Boston Celtics fan and you are looking at a Miami Heat team who, uh, depending on where the rest of these games go, you may be seeing the Heat in the first round, depending on if they end up as a six seed or a five seed or a four seed. And so you got to be a little concerned if you're a Celtics fan watching this team struggle time and time again to make it happen on the defensive end. And then they decided to actually play some basketball and had a matchup on Friday night against the Toronto Raptors and just took them to town. I mean, this was, it's kind of been a very polarizing team that we have seen with Boston where one game, they'll come looking fantastic, ready to play, Another game, they're just flat, flat, flat coming out. And uh, against Toronto, they took a lead early and just put the pedal to the metal and really played really well. Uh, In the Toronto Raptors, Celtics game, Celtics won 122-100. to Jalen Brown had 20. Jason Tatum had 18. Jalen Brown has really started to stand out as probably the second-best player on this team, especially here in the bubble.
0: So I think part of what we're seeing with Boston is this is just regular season stuff. Uh, You you play pretty well one game, you come back and you have a uh, game the next. But I, I think we see the difference between a team like the Heat and the Raptors and how the Celtics match up with them. The Raptors for how good they are, and I think they're one of the top four teams to win the title, their offense is less suited to go up against the Celtics defense. They have less one-on-one options. And the Heat didn't have Jimmy Butler, but there's so much shooting going around that Heat team and versatility that it allows them to improvise a little bit more. The, The Raptors are very good, and so many guys can do so many things, but once you have to just get somebody on the ball and make their own play with the shot clock winding down. It's not where their skill is. And Boston is so long and sturdy on the wing, especially Brown and Tatum, that if the Raptors end up playing the Celtics, that that's trouble for the Raptors. The Heat might be better suited to beat the Celtics than Toronto is.
1: Another game that we recommended that you check out was Houston Rockets versus Portland Blazers. Uh, Blazers won that game 110 to 102. Damian Lillard showed why he, uh, if he was playing for a, an actual playoff team might be in the running for an MVP candidate. 21 points, 9 rebounds, 8 assists. This Blazers team, if they can ever get firing on all cylinders, looks really, really good.
0: The surprising thing about this was how defensive it was. These teams really don't like each other, especially Westbrook and Dame going back to the playoffs last year and that first-round matchup that they had. They won't play each other in the playoffs unless something really weird happens, but that would be a whole lot of fun having and Westbrook play each other. I don't think the game tells us a lot about Houston. It's just one of those games for them. The Blazers are playing every game like it's a game seven because it kind of is for them. So to see them have a good defensive performance was encouraging because that has not been their strong suit in a lot of their other bubble games.
1: Well, and this is one of the games in in last week's episode we talked about it would be interesting because the Blazers have – two big guys in Nurkic and Collins who you stack the two of them on top of each other. And I think they're taller than the whole Houston Rockets squad. And we had talked about who is going to prevail in this from a defensive standpoint. Is Houston going to be able to stop Portland's big guys or is Portland going to be able to stop all of Houston's Guards And the way this game looked, it looked like Portland had the upper hand here.
0: For one night at least, you're right. And then the next time they play, it might be like 140 to 132. There's so much firepower out on that court. And neither team has shown a penchant to lock down game after game after game. But for one night, it was fun to see a little bit of a defensive battle.
1: So we are more than a week into the bubble here so far. We've had a decent amount of games to look at to really see who has been impressing us and who has kind of been letting us down uh, as we look at games here in the seeding games. And so I texted Bodhi a few days ago and I said, make a list of three things that have impressed you and three things that have disappointed you. And so, Bodhi, let's start with who has impressed you. So give me your first impression on the good side.
0: It's got to be the Phoenix Suns, the only team that hasn't lost a game so far in the bubble. But more impressive than that is they look legit. They've gone from being a team that people were making fun of for being in the bubble to looking like a legitimate playoff team this year and a real threat to do some damage next year. I'm assuming you have them or at least considered them.
1: I certainly considered them. I tended to concentrate a little bit more on players with the things that have impressed me. The first one for me has been Kyle Lowry. Um, We have talked about time and time again that Toronto really stands a good chance to make a run for it in the playoffs. They're obviously the defending champions and uh, have gotten kind of a good amount of slack from folks saying, well, Kawhi Leonard's not there anymore. They don't really have a leader. And sure enough, Kyle Lowry has been putting this team on his back, whether it's been through actual statistics, throwing out huge point totals, or you know if he is uh, setting up his teammates to succeed. But Toronto so far is 4-1 in the bubble. Their only loss was to the Celtics. And so, yeah, Kyle Lowry has been really impressing me so far.
0: That dude balls. He's one, he's one of the most fun players there is in the league because is just going to. I, he he's like Chris Paul in the East. He's just going to come at you. Every minute he's out there.
1: And he's so strategic and he's so fantastic. One of my very favorite parts of Kyle Lowry's game was watching him in the All-Star game. And in the fourth quarter of the All-Star game this past year, uh, you know, whenever that was, when was the All-Star game? January, February? February? Man, that was a long time ago. It was. And watching him take a charge in an All-Star game. For me, I just said, I, I like this guy. He is scrappy. He does what he has to do to get his team to win. He's so much fun to watch. And even as like a guy who cheers for a team in the East, it's hard not to want to see Kyle Irie do really well. That's my first pick.
0: But well, my second pick, it, I just went with teams because I thought that's what we were doing. So
1: <laughs> That's okay.
0: My second pick for team that has impressed me is Toronto, and we, we've we gotten into that a little bit. And what I went with when trying to choose good and bad on this for these teams was, did they move up or down a tier in the expectations I have coming into the bubble? Phoenix certainly did. Toronto I already had as a championship contender, but kind of out of respect more than actually really thinking they were going to do this and now no i'm i'm convinced they they're a legit title team they they are completely solid all the way through with multiple guys that can step up and be the hero every game and it starts with Lowry and they have maybe the best coach in the entire league and not a flaw throughout that
1: whole roster. My second pick is TJ Warren who had to be oh my gosh fun fact tj warren is one of three tjs on the indiana pacers did you know this
0: i remember this happening draft night last year when all these things were happening
1: uh yeah tj warren is one of three players named tj on his team if you can name the other two tjs without looking it up reply to me on twitter and i will send you three dollars on venmo no questions asked
0: they also have brothers (laughs) They don't just have three TJs, they they have brothers on their roster.
1: I did not know that. TJ Warren has been a monster in the bubble. So the first game in the bubble on Saturday, August 1st, TJ Warren scored 53 points against the Philadelphia 76ers. The next game on Monday against the Washington Wizards, which granted, it's the Washington Wizards, TJ Warren came back with 34 points. And then the next day, on a back-to-back, TJ Warren scored another 32 points, and the only game that he had not nearly as good of a game was against the Suns, who have, as Bodie said, kind of come out of nowhere and still ended up with 16 points. So, I mean, this is a guy, TJ Warren, he was not on anybody's radar coming into this. Uh, I mean, we all knew that he was an okay player, but he certainly would not have been on anybody's list. Uh, and the irony is that the game that he played uh, the worst was against the Phoenix Suns, who he just left.
0: The last team that has impressed me by going up a tier, in my estimation, was the San Antonio Spurs. And I almost went with the Brooklyn Nets, not because they've gone up a tier, but just because of how hard that they have played despite all the injuries and just seeming like a team that had not a lot to play for except to lose badly in the first round. But then today the Spurs won another game in the bubble, another big game against the Pelicans. And I think they're four and two in the bubble. They've gone from kind of an afterthought to right on the edge of the playoffs, which would continue their streak of being the. Of all the pro sports teams in America, they have made the playoffs the most straight years. And this would be a continuation of that. They just, they do not die. DeRozan, Rudy Gay are going out there and being the one-on-one scorers that they were always meant to be. Derek White is turning into a legit, very good point guard who could, I I don't know. I I never know with a Spurs player how good somebody really is. Because they just... They always seem to play above their heads, but they're pulling weird big men off the bench that I've never heard of. And they're coming out and playing well. And it's just like, yeah, this is the Spurs. What were we expecting? And they continue to make us look like fools.
1: All right. My last pick. uh, If you are a SEC fan, you will appreciate this, but Michael Porter jr. Michael Porter Jr. played one year at Missouri and got drafted way too high, everybody thought, uh, because he didn't even really play at Mizzou. He uh, was injured for most of his freshman year and then got drafted very high in the draft. And this is really the first we have seen of him in high action. And so what does he do? He goes out uh, against Oklahoma City Thunder scores 37 points. Uh, Next game against the San Antonio Spurs, they beat the Spurs. He had another 30-point game against the Utah Jazz. He had a 23-point game against the Blazers. He had a 27-point game. And so it's been really interesting to see some of these younger guys finally seeing a few more minutes, seeing some more floor time, and they are not disappointing. And it's been really fun to watch a guy like Michael Porter Jr. finally grow into this pick that he got chosen so highly for. Speaking of disappointment, now it's time to pick the three things that disappointed us the most. Bodie, you're in luck because two of my three are teams. So I will go first, and I will say... The Memphis Grizzlies. I have been excited to see Ja Morant, and obviously having Jaron Jackson Jr. hurt has been a huge blow to this team. The Memphis Grizzlies now are 1-5 in the bubble, and from some journalists that I have heard talking about it, they imagined that Memphis will probably move down to that ninth seed and still have that play-in game, but things are not looking good. Very good for the Grizzlies, Bodie.
0: And that's not surprising. They played a bit above their heads most of the year. They were, if the season hadn't gotten suspended, most people were expecting them to drop out of the playoffs. And the Pelicans at that point were the team that people thought were going to pass them. They have had so many close games, even today, losing to the Raptors. They were right there their opening game against the Blazers. They were right there. And a young team just not being able to to finish their games. That's it's the learning curve of the of the NBA. The Pelicans. Uh, the team that everybody, including the NBA, wanted to make the playoffs because of Zion. And I'm not disappointed that they've lost games. It's been the way that they've been losing games. There's the defense is bad their game today against San Antonio, they they came back and made it a fight, but they looked listless. They just there was not a lot of fire for what you would expect a team facing the end of their season to be putting out there.
1: When you look at players like Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, Josh Hart, I mean in the game today against San Antonio Lonzo Ball had five points. Josh Hart had zero points. Brandon Ingram had 17. But, you know, it's it's really been disheartening. Uh, New Orleans was my second pick, and it's just been very disheartening. You know, it's... As a fan of the NBA in general, I wanted to see New Orleans try and pull it off and prove to us that maybe we have been short-sighting them, maybe we haven't really been giving them a chance, and and really hoping to see what this Zion hype was all about, and it's been disheartening for sure to see. It is,
0: and I think the same way that we, well, the different way, we expected Memphis to fall off a little bit. We should have seen this with the Pelicans some. They were relying on a rookie to be their star. They were relying on all those former Lakers that came in the Anthony Davis trade who have never been in the playoffs. They've never played in real big games. And nothing against Drew Holiday, who I love, and J.J. Redick, who had the longest active streak of consecutive playoffs for a player. It's, that's a lot for non-superstars to make up for. My second team that's disappointed me has been the Dallas Mavericks. Coming into the bubble, I thought that they had a chance to do some damage in the playoffs. And that was probably on me for not taking a realistic look at where that team is in their development and what the full talent is on the roster. Dallas has one of the best players in the league, and Luka Doncic. They have Kristaps Porzingis, and then a very good roster around them, but they're all young. They're not very good defensively. They weren't coming into this, and the the thing that has really been a problem for them and the bubble has been crunch time offense except for the game against Milwaukee the other day when Lucas throwing between the leg pocket passes it really just goes to show that we forget sometimes that there there is a rule in the NBA you have to you have to pay your wages you have to earn your way up the ladder and you can't just skip the levels and the Mavericks they're going to play the Clippers in the first round they are not going to skip a level this year
1: yeah it's interesting because we came in at least I did, came in with really high hopes on this Dallas Mavericks team that Kristaps Porzingis was finally healthy and who better to pair him with than Luka Doncic. And the pairing has been good on the offensive end, but, I mean, as we saw in the overtime game with Houston, I mean, they just half of basketball is defense. And if you can't stop someone from scoring, then it doesn't matter how many points you score. They're, you got to stop them from scoring as many as you do. That was a very John Madden answer from me. <laughs> My last pick is Kawhi Leonard. I have not seen anything that has made me look at him and say that's an MVP caliber player. And granted, he's taking care of himself he doesn't really have anything to necessarily play for here, but I just have not felt like I've seen him turn it on very often. When we looked at that very first game of the Lakers and the Clippers and the final shot where LeBron James drove the lane, hit the, went to shoot the shot and bricked it, and immediately got his own rebound. All you saw were five jerseys, five white jerseys, just watching him do this as if nothing weird was happening. And prime Kawhi Leonard would never let that happen. And so I just have been a little let down by even just seeing a few moments of him turning it on. I haven't seen much of that so far in the seeding games.
0: You were right. Some of it's by design, but he's also, he's our coldest superstar uh people fell in love with him last year i think mostly at least for the casual nba fan they fell in love with him because he beat the warriors yeah he hit that he hit that crazy shot against the sixers that is still bouncing <laughs> but he beat the warriors and other than that he's he's never been somebody anybody really likes i mean the guy laughs and the internet runs away <laughs> so the clippers as a team this year It's always been like, they're the best team, but nobody wants them to be the best team. They're they're just not not fun to root for unless it's Lou Williams and Montrezl Harrell. Those are the fun guys. Those are the ones that people enjoy getting behind.
1: It's interesting that you say that though, because I had a friend reach out to me who has been listening to the podcast and has been enjoying it. So thank you for listening. And thank you for telling me that you listen, because that means way more than giving me a rating on Apple podcasts, but he is a fan of the Clippers. And it's funny because he is from Wisconsin. And so his East team is the Milwaukee Bucks, but his West team is the Los Angeles Clippers. And it's hard for me As someone who like is not from L.A., has never been to L.A., has no interest in, you know, living in L.A., how do you become a Clippers fan? (laughs) You know what I mean?
0: It's like living in Wisconsin, becoming a Mets fan or living in Arizona, being a White Sox fan.
1: Yeah. It's destined for disappointment. (laughs) (laughs) Except for maybe this year. All right, buddy, who do you have as your third disappointment?
0: This one was hard for me.
1: Not a lot of teams
0: have,
1: not a lot of teams have
0: disappointed me in these, in this bubble. Uh, I considered the Lakers, but there's been injuries there and rotation issues and all sorts of things. So I'm just going to go with a team that disappointed me for the whole season. Just kind of give a honorary season award to to Utah. Good team. They're going to be competitive in their first round loss to whoever they play. But when they got Conley last offseason, it really seemed like this could be the year that Utah takes a jump. And then, of course, that was before a bunch of other teams in the West really leveled up. But even then, they never really gelled. And they had injuries coming into this bubble. And they had a bunch of drama being the team that put us into the bubble in the first place. But they never became the team that we thought they we thought that they would
1: be. Okay, as we look at the rest of the bubble, we are quickly coming up on the end of the seeding games here. And so the game that I want to point out to you is actually happening Monday night and it's Milwaukee versus Toronto. this is the one versus the two in the East. Neither of these teams really have any opportunity to move up or down in their seating. And so it has the potential to be kind of a, let's not go too hard. Let's not play in a way that may injure our best players, but and this Toronto team, I, I'm i interested to see what they do against Giannis. I think this will be a really entertaining game, even if it's just for the first half. I think it'll be interesting to see if this is going to be a close matchup or it's just going to be a total blowout. And it's probably not going to be anything in between.
0: If it stays close, I think these teams are going to decide, you know what, we're going at this. If some team comes out really hot, you may see both sides start to pull it back a little bit, but they're going to see this as a chance to make a statement. We talked about Lowry earlier. He's, if he has a a say in this, he's going to go all out for this game.
1: Buddy, what games do you think we ought to watch out for this week? Any
0: game involving Memphis, Portland, San Antonio, and Phoenix. So that's a lot of games. (laughs) And unfortunately they don't play each other. None of them play each other, but Every game that they play is massively important because these are the four teams going for the 8-9 spot in the West. There is going to be a play-in game between two of these teams, and nobody has clinched any spot yet. And each team can move up and down quite a bit each day. So... Keep, keep an eye out for all these games. And except for the Grizzlies, well, even the Grizzlies, they're all playing well. All four of these teams are playing well. As you talked to the Grizzlies, they just had some bad luck.
1: All four of these teams are within one and a half games of each other. Any of these four teams are really going to be exciting to watch. I'm going to go on the pro NBA side, and I'm going to say, if you want to pick a team to watch, watch Phoenix, because... It's been really exciting to see. They're the only undefeated team in the bubble so far. And so maybe we're like Bob Uecker calling out a no-hitter in the third inning. But go watch a Phoenix Suns game. Because Devin Booker is destined to be one of the next All-NBA players. And Ayton has looked fantastic and has finally gotten some legs underneath him. So... My vote is you've got to pick one of those teams to watch. Watch Phoenix. That'll be fun.
0: Does Euchre really do that?
1: No, I don't know. I was just, that was just the first. Honestly, if someone was going to do it, it'd be Mike Shannon. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Maybe, but I can see Euchre being respectful of it. And I can also see him being just, yeah, who cares?
1: He's a crotchety old man. I think he's the oldest broadcaster still doing games, uh, is what I heard at ESPN a couple weeks ago.
0: Now it's time for that segment where we thank a global pandemic for reminding us of something that we enjoy. This week's Thanks COVID is a clip from inside the NBA on TNT. So for some of the bubble, Draymond Green, all-star forward for the Golden State Warriors who are not in the bubble has joined the Inside the NBA studio show in place of Shaq, who is off doing Papa John's commercials, I guess. (laughs) Draymond is known for running his mouth on and off the court at all times, and he is known for maybe sitting in a parking lot crying and texting players to come to his team, which would technically be illegal under NBA tampering laws. Well, apparently he is still doing things to that effect. It's great to see Book playing well and Phoenix playing well, but get my man out of Phoenix. It's, it's not good for him. It's not good for his career. Sorry, Chuck, but uh, wow. they got to get Book out of Phoenix. I need my man to go somewhere where he can play great basketball all the time and win because he's that type of player. Are you tampering? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> so as you heard there... Draymond just flatly said he's, he's tampering. He said maybe, but there's there's no way he, he was not tampering. Ernie knew it, Chuck knew it, Kenny knew it, I and every, everybody watching knew it, and it's a normal thing for the NBA. Tampering has been the thing going back to when LeBron, Wade, and Bosch all somehow got together on the same team magically with the Heat Draymond recruiting Durant, Kawhi, and Paul George teaming up with the Clippers. The NBA says you can't recruit players from other teams to your team or do anything, and yet it becomes more and more blatant to the point that a all-star player is on national TV on a league-sanctioned studio show saying that a player needs to to get out from their current situation. It's perfect. It's absolutely perfect for the NBA. And this morning, Sunday morning, it was reported that Draymond was fined $50,000, which is a cap of sorts for this kind of violation, to which he replied. He didn't reply. He just tweeted a bunch of crying, laughing emojis. (laughs) So you you can tell what he thinks about all of this. He'll be playing with Devin Booker in a few years
1: in Golden State. And now we're at last possession. On Saturday night, the Los Angeles Clippers and the Portland Trailblazers played each other. And a very interesting thing happened on the court. Late in the game, Damian Lillard, star guard for the Portland Trailblazers, missed a couple free throws. Now, that's not the strange thing, although, indeed, it is strange. The strange thing happened on the bench between Patrick Beverly, University of Arkansas graduate, and Paul George, not an Arkansas graduate, but teammate of Patrick Beverly, nonetheless, broke into some raucous laughter after Damian Lillard missed a couple of free throws during the game. Patrick Beverly was trolling Dame (laughs) by calling out Dame time, and using hand signals highly associated with Damian Lillard. Now, obviously, teasing, trolling, these sort of things happen. But when you have no crowd, when you have no fans in the crowd to distract you or to enhance this, something like this happening on the bench becomes the highlight of the game. Now, Los Angeles went on to win this game, 122-117. to 117, But this isn't what was being talked about in the post-game press conference with Damian Lillard. Afterwards, he says, I did what my team needed, which was a failure for me that I can accept. But asking me about Patrick Beverly, who I sent home before at the end of the game, and Paul George just got sent home by me last year in the playoffs. Cue Michael Jordan meme So I took this personally. Damian Lillard did not stop at this press conference, but in fact, took it to Instagram. So on Saturday night, the Bleacher Report posted on Instagram the quote from Damian Lillard saying, I sent Patrick Beverly home before Paul George just got sent home by me last year in the playoffs. In which Paul George commented saying, and you getting sent home this year, adding respect. Lillard then replied, saying, keep switching teams, running from the grind. You boys is chumps. To which Patrick Beverly jumps in as the perfect agitator in all of this, saying, Cancun on three. And George came back again, writing, respect that too. In my stint with my first team, I had more success. Dame's time is running out. Oh man, this stuff is fantastic. And... I understand why people watch shows like The Bachelor. I understand why people watch reality television. Because it's very rarely about the romance in The Bachelor. It's very rarely about the race in Amazing Race. It's about the drama. It's about the relationships. It's about how people manage to put up with other people's shit. And the NBA is really no different, right? We look at these three players, Patrick Beverly, Paul George of the Clippers, Damian Lillard of the Portland Trailblazers. Paul George, who has played for multiple teams seeking out that championship and feels like he has found it with his team in the Los Angeles Clippers. And Damian Lillard being the one who is sticking by his morals and sticking by his first choice as if it is the only choice. And in a few weeks, we may see... If it's Portland or it's the Los Angeles Clippers. Basket bubble is hosted by Matthew Moore. That's me and Bodie. That's him. Thank you for your time this evening, Bodie. Thank you, Matthew. Our theme song is by bad snacks. Join us next week as we talk the final seating games. And we really start to get a look at the playoff tree on the East and the West side. Stay safe out there. Bubbletonians. We will see you next week.